The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide, toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email X-Zone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our e- and our website, I should say, www.exxoneradiotv.com. The Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, South America, the Caribbean, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. Exonation, my guest this hour is a good friend of the Exon, Ralph Ellis is his name. And uh, Ralph is one of those guys who just keeps on amazing you with the books that he's written. Uh, so far, he's written Mary Magdalene, Princess of Orange, King Jesus from Cam, which is Egypt, to Camelot, Cleopatra to Christ, Scotia, Egyptian Queen of the Scots, Eden in Egypt, Jesus, the last of the pharaohs. Tempest and Exodus, Solomon Falcon of Sheba, Troth, Architect of the Universe, K2, Quest of the Gods. And joining me now from the United Kingdom is Ralph Ellis. And Ralph, welcome back to the X-Zone. It's been some time. Ralph, are you there? Ralph, are you there? I must apologize. Oh, there you are. Welcome back. I had I, I had myself on mute, so I didn't interrupt your show. So that's... <laughs> Very good to be back on your show, Rob. Oh. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's and always... I'll unmute myself. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I was saying, my gosh, he's been abducted by the Vatican. <laughs> Ralph, yes, uh, for... they're out to get me. Everyone's they... out to get me. Yes. Oh, we're not. We're we're here to get the word out there because you, <laughs> over the years, my friend, have 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 just captivated our audiences through your discoveries and 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 the books that you've been getting out there. Uh, but for the audience who's not heard of you before until now, because we've had so many new affiliates uh, join us since you were last with us, Ralph, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, well, um, I'm, I'm uh, a commercial pilot, and I got interested in this many, many years ago. So uh, I started this sort of um, research when I was perhaps 14, I think, was the first time I wrote a chapter on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a long-standing interest in um, biblical research, but from uh, the secular point of view. So I'm not doing this from a Christian point of view or any other religion. Um, I'm looking at this from a historical point of view. So uh, I was always concerned and, and amazed that you know mm-hmm. we have these wonderful 
um, religious books, but none of what we find in the religious books can be found in the historical record. It, that was the basis on which I started my research. You know, if you were to give a value from 1 to 10, 1 being the least and 10 being the highest, where would you, what value would you give to the accuracy of history compared to Scripture when it comes to biblical events? Well, that's the interesting thing about my research. You know, there's a lot of uh, deeply religious people mm -hmm. don't like it because it challenges their viewpoint. But my research has actually proven, to my own satisfaction at least, that about 95% of, of what the Old Testament and the New Testament actually says is correct. So I'm actually, in a way, sort of proving that this is, this is real history. All right, Ralph, you and I have to take that two-minute commercial break as the Exxon continues with our very special guest of this hour, Ralph Ellis. His website is www.edfu-books.com. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. Ralph Ellis is my special guest for this hour, www.edfu-books.com. Before I get back to uh, Ralph, I'd just like to let everyone know that the Exxon Book Club is up and running, and uh, so far, he, these are the authors who have joined amongst many. Sally Bernard, Randy Hoyle, Eugenia Macer-Story, Lucia Mann, Brad Olson, Peter Wolford. Now, if you'd like to become a member, if you'd like to see what the advantages of memberships are with the book club, just go to www.xzonebookclub.com. That's www.xzonebookclub.com. Ralph, uh, during your, your quest to, to find the truth and get the truth to the people, and I, I guess what you have to do is let them make up their own mind because you're actually going against the stream. You're kind of like a salmon saying, you know what? <laughs> Something's not right here, and I'm going to go up the stream until I find it. When I find it, I'm going to let all the other fish downstream know exactly what's going on. It's been a bit like a bit like that. Is true. Um, I've been fin fi swimming against the tide for for about uh, fifteen twenty years now, um, but that's good in a way because I'm not following a, a, anyone else's mm -hmm. lead. So I'm not uh, writing books that are similar in, in, in any fashion to anybody else's. They're sort of one of a kind. Um, but they are self-consistent, which is what I like. You know, when I write a book, 
the next book then sort of proves what I've already written previously. And, and all of this information uh, hangs together in, in one cohesive history of religious history. Um, so to me, it's, it's probably the, the truth of what actually happened. And um, it's not very different from, from the, the story you're normally given about the mm. Old Testament and New Testament. But some of the characters are different. Some of the locations are different. So uh, the main thing that happens within the Old Testament is, is the patriarchs um, of the Old Testament become pharaohs of Egypt. So they become much more important. Um, and this is, is, of course, why they were called shepherds within the Old Testament, because they were the hyksos. They mm-hmm. were the uh, shepherd kings of Egypt who were a separate sort of dynasty in northern or lower Egypt. And they called themselves the hyksos or the shepherd kings. And these are the biblical shepherds we have from the Old Testament. And there's an awful lot of data and information within the Old Testament that proves that is so. Um, and perhaps the most um, obvious is, is the actual Exodus itself, because there was um, an exodus of, of the Hyksos pharaohs out of Egypt. Um, and perhaps I'll just summarize a few sure. of the points about that particular exodus. So this is real history I'm, I'm talking about here. This has nothing to do with the Bible. Um, so there was this group of people who were known of, uh, as shepherds. Uh, they wore earrings and curly side locks of hair. Uh, one of their kings was called Jacob. Um, they had a war with the Egyptians. There were storms and darkness and big ash fall all across Egypt. Um, and 500,000 of these people were exiled from Egypt and they went from Pyramasi and they were exiled to Jerusalem. Now, hmm. does that not sound familiar? Yeah, this it, is- it certainly does. It sounds like the, the story of Exodus with Moses. Absolutely. Um, the, the only difference, I mean, they, they are identical, these two Exodus events. Um, the only difference is one happened in 1600 BC and the other happened in about 1300 BC. So you have to explain the 300 year difference, right. which is not hard to do. But quite clearly, these Israelites were the Hyksos people, the Hyksos pharaohs of Egypt. And they were exiled from Egypt on this great exodus in uh, 1600 BC. Um, And that therefore gives us um, an indication what the exodus was all about, because the plagues of Egypt, you know, the storms, the darkness, and Mm -hmm. the locusts, everything else, it was all caused by the eruption of Thera, or Santorini, in the Mediterranean, which was the biggest volcanic eruption. Now, according Uh, to the Bible, these plagues were caused by God. Well, yes, of course, they would blame it on God, wouldn't they? I mean, we're yeah, talking sure. about ancient man here, yeah. so uh, anything that happens that's out of the ordinary, it's the gods that did it. So. They, 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 had to, they had to explain it somehow, and based on their limited knowledge, they, they used a deity that they couldn't see, but yet they feared and revered. Yes, and it was also used as a political dispute. Yep. This is where the uh, battle with the Egyptians comes in, because they each side blamed each other. Because the Hyksos, the Egypt was split at the time between north and south. Mm-hmm. The Hyksos were in the north, and the, the other pharaohs were in in the south in in Thebes, and they were using this tragic event of this great eruption and the darkness and the storms and the ashfall um, 
to um, place some pressure upon their enemy, you know, so they were using it as a, a, a political event. Um, and we know that the, the Ashfall happened because we have almost the perfect description of this from, from the Old Testament. Um, I can't quote you exactly, but anyway, Moses, God says to, to Moses, take you handfuls of ash from the hearth of the fire and throw them up to the sky and they will become a small ashfall across the whole of Egypt. Hmm. That is the most perfect description of the long-range fallout from a large volcano you could possibly get. Right. So clearly this was the eruption of Thera. It's the only eruption in recorded history that could ever have reached as far as Egypt. So we know this was the eruption of Thera. So already we have within the Old Testament the central story almost, you know, the Exodus event mm -hmm. is a real historical event. And this is what I like about this research because it's placing this, this strange book we call the Bible back into real history because you, this is what got me started on this in the, in the very first place because every time, you know, I was the terrible one at the back of class, of course, always putting my hand up. Um, <laughs> Where was this in history, sir? You know, and, and nobody could explain. Yeah, it, it was almost as if you know the Old Testament and indeed the New Testament happened on a different planet. It was mm -hmm. like they were on Mars because none of these stories were apparently linked to real history. Yeah, it's it's just like it. It seemed to me at a very early age, and why I snickered when you said you were always in the back of the class putting up your hand like that. That sounds like me. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, I got kicked out of the church when I was eleven years old for asking too many questions. But it 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 seems that it seems that there were two different gods. The God of the Old Testament did not act like the God of the New Testament. No, there was a change of culture. Um, it's true, but uh, the the God of the New Testament was pretty warlike as well. But that's being covered over. You know, um, Jesus ordered his disciples mm -hmm. to go buy swords, of course, and he predicted civil war. You know, this is one of the things about the New Testament that is not um, is not highlighted very often, and it should be highlighted a bit more. That uh, it's not the book of peace that everyone thinks it is you know mm -hmm. what does it say it's, uh, jesus says to his disciples he that has the purse let him take it and likewise the wallet and he has that that has no sword let him sell his garment to go and buy one um and then he predicts this war of course uh, what does he say oh yes i came not to send peace but a sword I have come to set man against variance against his father and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foe should be they of his own household. It's not all about peace within the New Testament. This is a prediction of a civil war. Um, and that civil war did happen. And it's the central mm -hmm. element of decoding what the New Testament was all about. Based on, on on the massive amount of research that you've been doing over the years, uh, Ralph, how would you describe creation? Creation, as in creationism. Yes, or or you know, how, did did was there a god who created the the the, the universe as we know it, or was it the Big Bang theory? Yeah, I, I go along with normal science on that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm strict with normal science. I don't do anything that's. Uh, 
spiritual in any fashion, really. Okay. Um, so I, I go along with normal science, except I do branch out a little bit into the esoteric because I, I class myself as an atheist who believes in God. Mm-hmm. And that is a slight, um, slight difference to normal atheism. Um, because if you want to go a little bit esoteric, there may have been um, some education and in the ancient past. So this could be the God event that everyone refers to. And that's what I cover in my other books, which is you know, the, the non-biblical books when I write about, you know, Architect of the Universe, K2, mm-hmm. which is all about the pyramids in Egypt and so on. And they touch on those subjects, of course. Are there still archaeological finds being made today that are helping redefine our our beliefs and and our religious philosophies? Well, yes, uh, very much so. I mean, the, my, my latest book, which will be out in two months' time, which is uh, going to be entitled something like uh, "Jesus, King of Syria" or something of that nature. I haven't formally got the title. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it'll be out in a, a couple of months or so. And um, that's a very interesting one because I've discovered um, a contemporary statue of Jesus. So this was a, Jesus, uh, a statue that was made in about AD 50 when Jesus was still alive, according to the new chronology I've made. Wow. So this is an actual statue of how he actually looked like. So Would- we actually finally know who this guy was would this be one of the only statues of christ that would that actually depicts what he looks like uh, that that remains difficult to, to know because there's been so much uh, islam has taken over the region oh, yeah. the and islam is very iconoclastic and of course it destroys everything that it comes across which is a bit of a shame really because it's been busy destroying every every statue and artifact that there has been in that region mm-hmm. uh, so we've lost an awful lot but having said that in archaeology either. So it may well be that there are many artifacts that are still buried that have never been discovered. Stand by, my good friend. You and I have to take our commercial break with the news. Exxon Nation, Ralph Ellis is our special guest. www.edfu-books.com And we'll be back on the other side of the news. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 
401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Well, you know, if the cast of here wanted to know all the answers to the questions that they had about Jesus Christ Superstar, all they had to do was go to www.edfu dash books.com and read the books by my guest this hour ralph ellis and uh, ralph uh, you know the bible the bible portrays christ as this uh, as a pauper the son of a carpenter the mortal son of a carpenter and yet the spiritual son of god um based on your research was jesus christ just a poor son of the uh, of a of a of a uh, carpenter no, far oh. from it. This was the big cover-up. Um, uh, we know he wasn't because uh, he, he was called the Christ, and the Christ means king. That's what it means, the anointed one. You know, um, uh, king, king Saul and King David were both called uh, the Messiah and mm-hmm. the anointed one, the Christ. So he was a Christ. He was a king. Um, and so you, all you've got to do is that's why, of course, you know, they nailed him on a cross with a, a big sign over his head saying he was the king of the Jews because he was. It, this wasn't mockery. This was this was real fact. He was a he was a king, a prince. Well, um, if, he, if he was a prince, let me ask you this. And I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, uh, Ralph. If he was a uh, if he was a king. Who what lineage did he come from if his father was a, a carpenter? Well, he wasn't a carpenter. It doesn't say that he was a carpenter. Again, it's, this is all mistranslation. It ah. says he was a tecton. Um, and a tecton is an architect. You hear the, the same word in the English. Um, and an architect is uh, it's a pseudonym for a mason. So he was a mason. You know, a mason today will be called an architect. And mm-hmm. he was an architect. So Jesus was a mason, the same as masons today. And that's why if you re- read the, the, the raising of Lazarus, in the Gospel of John, it's a third-degree raising. It's exactly the same as any mason will go through today. So he, he was a high-ranking mason, and that's where we get this carpenter business from. It's an allusion to being so, an architect. So the Masonic Lodge actually goes back to the time of Christ? Oh, yes. Well, wow. it goes back to the, the, the time of King Solomon, of course. This is yeah. what it's all about. It's all about King Solomon and Hiram Ambif. It's, it's all about that age. And in fact, it goes even further back than that into Egypt, of course. Yeah, I, I should have said um, so. Christ was a mason, yeah. Yeah, um, so Christ was a mason, and and he he came out of Egypt. So his lineage, you were asking for his lineage. Was, wait, wait a second, hold, hold on Egypt. here, hold on here, hold on here. He came out of Egypt. Yes, of course. That's why he went there for his education. If you remember, he was sent there for his education. Why would a carpenter go to to Egypt, the, the great center of learning in that era, for his education? So was well, he actually because, was he actually born in Bethlehem? Uh, no, because Bethlehem didn't really exist at that time. Oh, there goes Christmas. Um, Christmas is shot down the drain. It's, 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 it's all gone, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, it hasn't all gone, actually. It's, it's just gone sideways. Oh, okay. It, okay. It hasn't disappeared. It's all gone right. sideways a bit. Um, so he, he was a real person, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of what it's saying is, is correct, but you just have to sort of understand how it was correct. So his lineage came from Queen Cleopatra. And uh, Cleopatra had a, a, a lost daughter with um, uh, with Julius Caesar, and she was eventually given to a Parthian king, a Persian king called Phraates the Fourth. 
And this lady was called uh, Queen Theomusa Aurania, who's a very little known queen, actually. But anyway, she was a real queen of, of uh, Persia. Uh, but she came from the Egyptian royal line. But she was kicked out of Persia mm. in AD 4 uh, with 200, uh, sorry, 600 cavalry, 200 courtiers, and half of the Persian treasury. She, she wasn't exactly poor, but there no. we go. So anyway, so she's kicked out of, of Persia, and she ends up in Syria. So here is a royal family, and we know that Jesus was royal. We've already seen that. He was yeah. the Christ. And so they were on the move, being exiled in Syria, in a state of poverty because they had nowhere to stay. Um, and so they were probably staying in a, a stable or something of that nature. And this was a family that was visited by the Magi. Now, you've got to ask yourself, why would the Magi visit the birth of Jesus? Well, well because the they were following the star are, of Bethlehem. That doesn't yes, exist anymore. Well, they were, because that was the star prophecy, of course. They were following the star prophecy. But the star prophecy said that a prince of the east, a prince of Syria, would become the emperor of Rome. Mm -hmm. That was the star prophecy, and that's the star that they were following. But who were the Magi? These are the wise men, of course, from the yeah. New Testament, the three wise men. The Magi were the Persian kingmakers, the Persian priesthood. So what was the Persian priesthood doing, checking on Jesus when he was born? Well, the answer is because he was a son of this royal family that had just been kicked out of Persia, a son of Queen Theomusa Aurania. And these people set up a new principality in, in, in Syria. All right, hold and on. Know okay, hold on. I've, I've got to ask you this. It, it's, really, it's, it's really got me going. You know, and this is why I love having you on the show, Ralph. Uh, was his mother a virgin? Symbolically. Ah, okay. So uh, there's a lot of symbology when it comes to the... Symbology. The, the, the virgin birth mm. business was uh, part of the Egyptian um, theology. So um, there was a line of princesses who were goddess um, priestesses of, of, of the Egyptian temple who were known as the god's wives. Uh -huh. And they were known as, as virgins because... They looked after the god and attended to the god's needs, including his sexual needs, but they were supposed to be virgins. Okay, now hold on here. Were the gods real or were they spiritual? Uh, depends whether you believe the Egyptian gods or not. We're talking about Atum here and yeah. Osiris and uh, Isis. But all of these people became incarnations, as it were, of these particular gods. They took on the role and the mantle of these particular gods. So okay, so... So, so how do you sexually please a god that isn't real? Uh, well, I, I dare say that they <laughs> had a statue or something of this nature. In Egypt, of course, they would have had a statue, and, and they pleasured the god that way. Oh, my lord. Uh, in Syria and Judea, <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. Um, the, the, the tradition maintained, and, and Mary was an incarnation of Isis. And if you look at uh -huh. her iconography of, of Mary and Mary Magdalene, it's all to do with, with Isis. They were incarnations of Isis. Um, and so that's the sort of theology they were following. And you've got to remember that, you know, Judaism, Judaism didn't exist as we understand it today in, in that era. Uh, Strabo says mm -hmm. that 
all of the priesthood of the Temple of Jerusalem were Egyptians. And, of course, their, their theology was totally different to what we would understand Judaism today. Mm-hmm. Simply with Christianity, Christianity um, was, was created by Jesus' worst enemy. So, it was, you know, Christianity has nothing to do with the, with the Church of Jesus. It was created by Saul or St. Paul. And St. Paul was the enemy of, of Jesus. So when we read the Bible, you have to understand that we're reading the history of Jesus written by his enemy. But, but, I, thought, but I thought Jesus converted Paul and that all was forgiven. Not, yeah, not quite. Oh. <laughs> um, not in this new scenario, because um, Saul was actually the victor in the end of this. He actually oh, he won was. The, so effectively, if you're reading the Bible, you're reading a history of Winston Churchill that was written by Hitler. Gotcha. That's bad the error is. And mm. so you cannot trust exactly what it says at face value because it's written by his enemy. Sure, and, so, and we all know that history is written by the victor. Of course, and Saul yeah. was the victor. So just to recap this sort of new chronology and new history, we saw earlier we were talking about Jesus was talking about a, a civil war mm-hmm. and his disciples being armed. Now, what was the civil war he was involved in? Well, that was actually the Jewish revolt, which was the AD 60s, late AD 60s. It finished in AD 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed. Now, funnily enough, the leader of the Jewish revolt was called Jesus, and we know that from history. Yeah, it's all starting to hang together. Yeah, it certainly is. The, the jigsaw puzzle is coming together rather nice. But, of course, we have to let go of this AD 30s business. That was a distraction that was thrown in there by Saul. Um, Saul Josephus, as I call him, because he was, they were both the same character. Um, to separate Jesus away from this terrible event, which was the, the tragic event of, of the Jewish revolt, where, you know, Judea was destroyed, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, all of the Jews were kicked out of, uh, of, of Judea, which is why we have you know, Jewish communities all over the world. Um, so this was a great traumatic event, and by all means, Saul had to separate his hero figure from that big tra- tragic event, because it was very difficult to say, all hail to this meek and mild hero, called Jesus, mm-hmm. when actually the leader of the Jewish revolt that had just ended in the destruction of Jerusalem. So they shifted him back by a generation, by 30 years, and they ended up with putting him in, in the 1830s. But as I've gone through all of this research from the last 10 years, text after text after text after text is pointing at the 1860s. Even things like and I'm sure you want to come on to it as well, um, the Arthurian legend. Yes. You know, a great cycle of um, Arthurian legend called the Vulgate Cycle, which is about, you know, 10 books long. It's a huge, great thing. And even it has a problem with Jesus because it, it narrates, it starts with narrating the, the history of Joseph of Arimathea, of course. And then it has a problem. It has this almighty great problem because just like all of the other texts I've been reading, all of these events are to do with Vespasian, Titus, and, and the Jewish revolt and the destruction of Jerusalem. So they've, they've got Joseph of Arimathea in the AD 30s and Jesus, and, and somehow they've got to link him up 
with Vespasian in the AD 70s. And so the, in a fit of despair, I suppose, the author made Joseph of Arimathea go to sleep for 40 years. He slept for 40 years and he wakes up the next day and he thinks only one day has gone by. And it, but 40 years has gone by. Sounds like Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> yes. And now he's in the 1870s, which is where he needs to be for the rest of the story to continue. So, you know, even the Vulgate cycle has this great problem with the chronology that has appeared in, in the, um, uh, the Christian record. And even the research I've been doing recently on, on some of the Syriac authors, uh, I didn't realize, in fact, the Syriac authors were so prolific in their uh, record-keeping of the era. It's been a real, um, uh, real goldmine, that has. But they have the same problem as well, and they've been doing exactly the same thing because they can't match the biblical record with, with the events they're trying to talk about. And so they're having to shift everything back by 40 years and so on. It's, it's absolutely crazy. So it's 100% certain that the events of the New Testament happened in the 1860s. Uh, and this is what I actually discovered uh, 15 years ago when I wrote the first book, Jesus Last of the Pharaohs, because I said in that book um, that Saul, St. Paul, the great mm -hmm. hero of Testament was Josephus Flavius, who was the great historian of that era, and they were the same person. So, so, his, that, so basically, his pen name was Saint Paul. Yeah. Wow. So he two books. He wrote the secular books, which we know as the Jewish War and Antiquities. Mm -hmm. He is chronicler of that region in that era, but then he wrote spiritual books as well. He wrote Acts, he wrote Luke, and he wrote all of the epistles, of course. Um, and it was all the same person. Didn't he and also course, write the book of Revelations? He might have had a hand yeah. in it. I mean, I think actually reading all, all of these Gospels, he had a hand in everything. He was yeah. the editor-in-chief, editor mm. trying to make sure that everything jived um, with this story that, you know, everything happened in the time of Pontius Pilate. So I think he was the great editor-in-chief, but he didn't write the other particular Gospels. And I'm not sure he wrote Revelations, although... His signature is stamped on there as well. Yeah. Um, and so he created this wonderful spiritual story. And why did he do it? Well, this whole scenario explains exactly why he did it and why the New Testament was written. All right, we, we've got to take our final break here. When we come back, we'll have about four minutes for you to tell us why he did it. Let's have a bit of a cliffhanger here now that I don't even know if I'm going to put Christmas decorations up this year. Oh, sure I am. What the heck? It's great fun. Um, Ralph Ellis is my special guest. Always great having Ralph on the show. He has a wealth of information. And uh, his website, go to his website, Exonation, www.edfu-books.com. My name is Rob McConnell. Ralph Ellis is my special guest. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Whatever you do, do not go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. 
Okay, hold on here, hold on here, hold on here, hold on here. He wasn't born in Bethlehem. He probably wasn't, no. Um, No, he was born in Syria, but there we go. (laughs) Okay, so let's see. The, the well, shepherds watch their flocks by night. I'll see, you know, hark the herald angels sing. That's gone out the window. Uh, We three kings of Orient are. Now, how close is that song to reality? Oh, well, the, the Magi were the three kings, as it were. Yeah. I don't know why they called them kings. They were Magi. They were priests, in fact. But, uh, yeah, they, they were there. Okay. So the three Magi were there. Okay, so we'll, we'll leave Christmas alone because Ralph's going to be with us uh, between now and Christmas. We'll play some more Christmas carols when it's more appropriate and shoot them down one by one. Um, so so what was the the reason that that of the of the new testament and, and the 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 fight with paul and paul writing the book and jesus being a king of really king being born in syria but actually coming from egypt why the misinterpretation between what really happened and what so many so many people around the world actually believe this was roman propaganda so they they're all victims of a propaganda war um, Jesus started the Jewish revolt, and we know that because mm-hmm. uh, Saul Josephus says in his great history of the region that the leader of the Jewish revolt was Jesus, Jesus of Gamala. Uh, and he started the Jewish revolt, he prosecuted it, and he failed in the Jewish revolt. So the Romans won, of course, which was not very surprising. Um, but, of course, this caused a lot of problems on the eastern borders. Uh, of the Roman Empire, which was at that time the richest mm-hmm. part of the Roman Empire. And the Romans were getting fed up with this, you know, because the Jews were not very good Romans. They wouldn't eat with Romans, they wouldn't sleep with Romans, right. they wouldn't pray with Romans, etc. So they wanted to sort out their eastern borders that have just had this enormous great civil war. And so they sent Saul, who was their chief propagandist, with this new propaganda message. And the propaganda message was this guy this guy who started the Jewish revolt, was a prince of peace. And so this was a message of peace and peace with the Roman Empire. This was the Pax Romana. This was the peace, the Roman peace. Be peaceful with Rome and things will be good. Don't mess with Rome. And so in in effect, they had a a propaganda one-two here. There was the secular books, which detailed the actual fighting of the um, Jewish revolt, which basically says that Rome is invincible. Don't mess with Rome. Mm-hmm. The, the the subtext was the spiritual books which they sent out, which said actually this guy was all a prince of peace and everything is wonderful. And they create what they did by doing this is is they created Judaism light, as I call it, or simple Judaism. So Judaism had been a problem for the empire, so they created a new Judaism which was a Judaism for Gentiles. It, it was open to everybody. You didn't have to be a Jew. You didn't have to be circumcised, etc., etc. And it was all about peace and, and ecumenity with, with Rome. So, so can we actually say then, and I'm sorry for cutting you short because we're, we're nearly out of time, Ralph, that Christianity was created by Roman propaganda? Oh, it was, yeah. All oh. of this business you hear about uh, prosecu- uh, persecution by Romans. Yeah. Nothing to do with Christianity. Christianity was promoted by Rome. It was the, the pet topic of, of Vespasian and Titus. Wow. 
Ralph, you and I have to say so long for now, my friend. Uh, I, I always uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a great pleasure having you. Please, let's come back come back sooner. Uh, but wherever you're going, wherever you're flying, our best wishes are with you, and we can't wait until you come back and talk to us about your new book. Take care of yourself, my friend. Thank you for having me. Thank you. My pleasure. Ralph Ellis has been my guest at ExoNation, www.edfu-books.com. I'll be back at six and a half minutes past the hour. Don't go away. Thank you.